Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. If you're interested in different methods and ways to transform your life, like plant medicines and psychedelics, breathwork, meditation, somatic practices, cold exposure, and so many more that we've talked about on this show, then my friends, you are in the right place. This podcast is not just for practitioners. It's also for you if you're new to transformational work and you're looking for more information and direction. The reason I chose the name The Vital Point is to highlight the most important secret to actually changing your life, regardless of the method or modality that interests you. Are you ready to hear it? The vital point is that you have to practice. You can't just listen or read about transformation. And most of the time, you're not going to have some sort of one-time life-changing event. Real transformation is a process. I started this podcast to spotlight incredible leaders and practitioners who have experienced their own transformation and have been called to share their passion and mission with others so that you can benefit as well. If you're new to this type of work, welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm an integration and transformation coach, breathwork facilitator, been meditating for 19 years, and recently began teaching mindfulness. Breathwork and a lot of the other modalities and resources I talk about on this show are tools that I discovered when I was at my lowest, going through my own transformational journey. I know how much change they can actually bring because I've experienced it myself. I've experienced the transformation that comes from working, practicing, and integrating these experiences, these practices. My intention is not only to entertain, but that something that you hear on this podcast sparks the fire of your own change. When you do feel called to learn more, please send me or the guests a message. We are all here to grow together and support each other. And I hope you enjoy today's episode of the show. So for about as long as I've been working with plant medicines, I've been fascinated with people who are exploring the upper limits of psilocybin. I consider them to be true psychonauts, explorers on a final frontier beyond what you may think of as reality. This type of exploration is not for everyone. I'm certainly not endorsing it, nor is the guest on this episode, Dave Hodges. Dave is the founder of the Church of Ambrosia and Zydor in Oakland, which is a non-denominational interfaith religious organization that supports the use and safe access of all entheogenic plants with a focus on cannabis and magic mushrooms. As Dave states several times in the podcast, this high-dose work that he focuses on is not for everyone. It's not something that you should jump into without serious consideration, safety protocols, and a lot of assistance. But if you're still curious after listening to his experience and story, I would recommend reaching out to Dave directly. He is very accessible. And even if you're not called to jumping into high-dose mushroom work, this episode is still very fascinating, with plenty of useful information on how to breathe, the importance of set and setting, why mushrooms are here and what their purpose is, and more. 
I found it to be one of the most interesting interviews I've had the pleasure of being a part of, and certainly it is at home here on The Vital Point, which is about transformational practices. I hope you enjoy listening to Dave as much as I did. So our guest today is Dave Hodges. He is the founder of the Church of Ambrosia, Zydor. And hey. hey, welcome, Dave. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, I was just giving your introduction there, um, that you are the founder of the Church of Ambrosia and Zydor. Any other projects you'd like to mention right off the top? I mean, the the other big one is God Sitters, which is a um, project that I'm doing for people doing high-dose uh, mushrooms. So it's a, a space we have up in the Oakland Hills. I'm actually at it right now. You can see the beautiful background. Yeah. Um, where we, we have a, a space set up specifically for people who want to do high-dose work. That's great. So welcome to the Vital Point podcast. Um, this podcast is all about transformational practices of all types. We've had breathwork folks, meditation folks, ice bath folks, definitely some psychedelic folks. And I'm really excited to be talking with Dave today. Um, I followed Dave for a long time and actually was honored that he reached out to me about um, being on the podcast. And it seems like we've been circling each other in, in certain ways. Um, you know, recently had Acacia Lewis on the podcast, who I know just uh, spoke at your recent event. And yeah. um, also have had uh, Daniel from TAM Integration on. I believe you guys are uh, connected in some way or affiliated. So yeah. uh, just seems like I, it's I, meant I to be. At his event that he's got coming up in the next uh, few days. Yeah, awesome. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So there's, there's so much that I want to ask you about, because like I said, I've been following your Instagram for a while, and um, my girlfriend actually got really excited when she saw you were going to be on, and was like, oh, you've been following Dave for so long, and I'm like, yeah, when I, when I first started the podcast, I was like, this, this guy would be really interesting to talk to, because I, I would say a lot of the folks that I've had on the podcast, and in terms of the you know, coaching that I do... Um, it's within a certain range of the psychedelic spectrum and some of the stuff that you're posting about and, you know, um, that, you know, Kalindi, um, was, you know, talking about was definitely like on a different end of the spectrum. If it's even in the same spectrum, you know, maybe, maybe on a totally different spectrum at, in, in total. So, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, so um, for anybody that's unfamiliar with Dave's uh, work, um, you know, as he mentioned at the top, um, he works with uh, people and himself um, does high dosage uh, mushroom journeys. And so right off the bat, Dave, like, how would you describe like the differences between like, say, a five gram, 10 gram, maybe higher uh, journeys? Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I guess the the best explanation is how I kind of explain the whole range. So what we describe mushrooms as is a tool to help uh, breach the world, breach reality between this world and the next. So at a microdose, that's like putting a little crack in the wall at a normal dose in the, you know, one to three gram range. 
It's like poking a hole in the wall. And as you go up higher, and especially when you get to the really high levels of the 10 grams plus, that's like taking a sludge hammer and knocking down that wall. Um, and, you know, what this work is about it is really understanding what you are outside of this body. And, um, you know, it, when, once you understand that, if you keep doing it, there's plenty of other things to do over there. <laughs> yeah. So, like, like um, could you describe maybe some of those things? Um, what sort of experiences can you have in that, in that range? Well, you know, it's – so generally there, there's three phases when you start this work. And the first one is getting past all of your trauma from this life. So anything that, that you've experienced that's still holding you back, understanding why you went through it, and um, getting past it. And the one that's helping you do that is you. It's, it's your soul helping you do that. So it's already lived your entire life. Um, it exists outside of space and time. It, it knows everything that you've gone through. It knows everything that you will go through and why you're going through it all. So that, that's stage one. And that can be one journey. That could be a dozen journeys. Um, you know, it, it really, it depends on the work that each individual person has to do. Um, stage two, once you get past all the traumas that are holding you back in life, is starting to understand what you are outside of this body. So we are just a meat puppet. You know, th this reality is a small segment. Um, th this time is a small segment of what we are and what we, what we truly, what there truly is. You know, this is, this is just a little tiny sliver. Um, so understanding what you are outside of this body and the world that exists on the other side, um, it, again, is phase two. And then phase three, if you've got past all your trauma and you understand what you are, um, the the number of experiences that, that are beyond that point um, are really limitless and it depends on what you really are and what you have to do. Um, but as far as, you know, just to, to talk about a few of the experiences that, that I've sat for people and helped people through, um, we're, uh, on the first stage, we're talking about like having a presentation put on in front of you and reliving every traumatic moment in your entire life with something that can tell you why those happened and what the point of that was. Um, so to say that these things are not fun uh, is is kind of an understatement when when that's the work that you have to do. And not everybody will have to do that. But if there's a lot of things that are holding you back, you're going to have to go through a lot of things to get through it. Um, I've heard people screaming at the top of their lungs. I've heard people crying harder than they've ever cried in their life. Um, I've seen every level of terror you could possibly imagine. But when you come out of it, um, you're stronger for it. And you now understand what the point of all of that was. Um, on the, the next stage of learning what you truly are, um, you can, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard to describe until you've had these experiences because people generally think mushrooms are something else. You know, they, they're used to this 
one gram to five gram range. And in that range, you're in your body, you're in your mind, um, you're going through experiences that you need to go through. But once you get past that, you actually leave your body. Um, things from the other side can come into your room. You can watch yourself transform into other things. Um, one of the women that I was helping was watching as her hands turned into claws and scales went over all of her flesh and she was turning into a dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it, it's really beyond any special effects that you might see in a movie. It's, it's beyond it, even watching a movie. You're, you're literally seeing it physically experiencing it uh, on these doses. And then past that, um, you know, some of the experiences that I've had that are terrifying, to say the least, uh, there's always a point of what I'm going through, and there's always information that that I'm bringing back from this. But there was one experience where I was in my bedroom watching as golden beetles devoured my flesh, and I would watch them eat eat my hand and fall to the floor, and then all the beetles reformed into a giant golden bowl. And, you know, it, it's <laughs> terrifying to say the least, but also beyond, beyond what most people could imagine. You know, it's really in the realm of ayahuasca, in the, the realms of, of very heavy DMT trips, um, but even beyond that a little bit. Yeah. There's a lot that I wanted to unpack there that kind of came up for me. The first one was, um, you know, when you were talking about meeting yourself outside of sort of time and space and um, the way that I can relate to that is there's been times in my journeys where I think in the beginning, it seemed like there were, um, you know, what, what you would describe as like spirit guides or angels or different beings that I was meeting. And then I started to have this sense over time that these different entities were actually different versions of myself at different times and different dimensions that, you know, because they were so advanced or at such a higher dimensional frequency that they were able to like come back and and help me out. So uh, I wondered if that was something that you kind of related in that, in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is, that is some you know, there, there's there's a lot more to these experiences and what exists on the other side than just you. But yes, there are parts of you that will help you through the process. Yeah. Um, and and again, this is from my perspective. When you're in these states, and especially when you have these breakthrough moments, you are in a place that is outside of space and time. So if time no longer exists, speaking to your future self or even, you know, what what you eventually evolve into hundreds of thousands of years from now um, is very possible. Yeah. And then I, I wanted to get your opinion on, on something in terms of, you know, just thinking about, um, you know, progressing. And, you know, I've I've listened to kind of your philosophy on how to progress and also Kalindi's 
um, you know, sort of protocol. Um, I had somewhat of a different experience and I just wanted to maybe get your thoughts on it. Um, because at one point in time, a couple of years ago, I was, you know, regularly doing like five gram journeys and wanted to continue to progress. And so I started going up and it got to seven or eight. And then I had this experience um, that the day after a journey, I was up in Sedona. I was with um, a friend who is a pretty strong channel, uh, like medium herself. And so between Sedona and just the person that I was around, I felt like there was a lot of energy and a lot of sort of spirits around. And this entity like kind of came to me and said, you don't need to take so much anymore. Um, basically there was some sort of explanation about like the, some sort of astrology had aligned and like something had been cleared and, and they, it told me that I should start doing less and that I would actually be able to go deeper in the medicine with less. And the first, the next time that I decided to journey, I didn't take that advice and went with my regular, like five gram dose and had one of the most challenging deepest experiences that I had ever had. And when I came out of it, I was like, oh, I should have listened to that, that message. And after that, I cut back and I felt like it like literally was true. Like I felt like on three and a half grams or four grams that I was going even deeper than I had previously with five to seven grams. So I guess my question is like, could, um, you know, is, is doing this deeper work or increasing the dosage for everybody? Um, or, you know, is, do you think that that was like a legitimate thing where I just needed to kind of cut back and, and be where, where I needed to be? It's, it's definitely not for everybody, you know, it's, um, but also the challenging experiences to me are the real work. You know, th this is this is not about fun. This is not about having a good time. Um, some of the the I, <laughs> my my last uh, high dose was twenty five grams, and I ended up shitting myself in the shower. And uh, fortunately, I had somebody here that was a sitter, and they had to come down and help me understand what a towel was so that I could stop being cold and wet. Um, so to say they're, they're challenging is, is an understatement, but they make you stronger. Um, you know, as far as whether or not everybody needs to do them, it really all depends on what work you need to do because mm. there, there's some people that, that misconstrued what we're saying and what we're talking about and think, oh, okay, well, I just need to do 200 grams of mushrooms and all my problems will be solved. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, at a certain point, you start having memory issues. And that, that's a real indicator that you shouldn't go any higher. If you can't remember the experience that you just had, mm. there's no point in, in going deeper until you've built the skills to be able to have the experience and actually recall what happened to you. Um, so I, I really can't tell you what your personal work is or what you need to do. Um, but I also will say that there are um, 
entities out there that don't want us to do the work and it's not for our own benefit. So feeling like you got a message from something that is not you that said, Oh, you don't need to do this anymore. Um, you know, that that's to me a potential trickster. Mm. Um, but it really depends on how you feel and what you need to do. Cause if you've gotten past all your trauma that you're dealing with in life, um, for most people, that's all they really need. You know, they, they don't need to truly understand everything else. Mm. Um, for me, this work started because I needed to understand the mushrooms and they, I, I don't know if you've, you've seen the, the talk that I did. I mean, they, they just, they, they took over and I went from two grams to a, a 30 gram journey within about two months of first trying mushrooms, um, all based on the guidance that I was getting on the other side. It, that's not normal. People don't need to do that. Um, and in the, the process that I went through, for me, it was a training process, and they had set this up so I could understand what these tools really could do, and I could do what <laughs> fulfilled the position I was already in of running the church that's providing cannabis and mushrooms to people. Yeah, it's, it's quite a story. Um, so let's talk a little bit about integration because that's such an important sort of buzzword and, and concept now that psychedelics are kind of coming out into the mainstream. Um, what are your recommendations for integrating uh, psychedelic experiences, especially like these higher dosage, uh, you know, type of, of journeys? Well, at a certain point with the high dose, um, integration doesn't exist. You know, you, you can't integrate you transforming into a dragon with anything that's going to help you in this life. Um, you can't integrate um, <laughs> battling aliens with things that will help you in this existence, right? So there's a certain point of the high dose where integration is no longer a relevant thing. But where integration is extremely important is for the lower doses and as you get through the, the very first stage of going through your trauma. Um, but even then, if you're dealing with your trauma on these high doses, you have your soul telling you all the answers. So it, it's not, it, it's different than when you're doing two, three, or even five grams where you're still in your head and you're just going through all your thoughts and you're thinking about how you didn't treat this person right or how you could have done this better. Um, that, that's really where the integration is key and extremely important. But as you go up exploring the other sides of reality, um, again, you, you can't integrate hanging out with a bunch of dragons and then telling you the secrets of the universe with what's going to help you in a, in a day to day sort of situation. Hmm. So do you think that some of those experiences could, I mean, like, do you think like some sort of uh, 
like a therapist could help you with, with some of that? Like, are, is there any symbolic sort of meaning that could be gleaned or like, I guess I'm, I'm going back to like, um, like Stan Groff's work, for instance, where, you know, even within like the LSD experience, he, his theories were that a lot of the psychedelic experience was you working through the traumas that you experienced during the birthing process. And that was sort of an explanation for why people have similar psychedelic type of experiences because, you know, we, not we all, but there's a lot of similar traumas that are, uh, that occur, you know, when you're in the birth canal and you're feeling crushed or, you know, suffocated and you don't know if you're going to get out, um, things like that. So like the, the mind um, being unable to process that trauma at the time and then underneath the psychedelic uh, influence would kind of play out these different archetypes or these different, uh, you know, different types of experiences that, that people kind of have. It, you know, it, again, that's, that's at the lower dosage. That, mm. That's at the beginning of the work. Yeah. Because once you've gotten through all the trauma of your life, if you're still doing this work, there's a lot more to it. Um, where I came, you know, it, and actually cannabis helped me get through the majority of traumas in my life before I even tried mushrooms for the first time. So for me, when I got in to the mushroom experience, um, there wasn't really any of that I needed to deal with. Um, you know, the first couple experiences, well, the first time I broke through, which was on 15 grams, I met some entities that called themselves the oldest of the mushroom gods. And they told me why I lived my entire life, why I was here at this moment, why they, they needed my help and why they were doing this to me. Um, that has nothing to do with the birth canal, <laughs> you know, sure. It, it, for, for me, you know, where, where I was when I started doing this, it was, you know, I had just opened a cannabis church here in Oakland because I believe cannabis, well, before the mushrooms, cannabis was my main connection to any sort of religion or spirituality. And I believed it was the right thing to do. I had no idea six months later, Oakland was going to pass a law that said all entheogenic plants are the lowest priority for law enforcement, which the whole reason we opened the church in Oakland is because they had a 2004 law that said cannabis was the lowest priority for law enforcement. So if anywhere was the proper place to start a church and feel safe about it, it was here in Oakland. Um, the, decriminalized nature was actually based on that law. So when, when that passed, I, I, I had to take a step back and go, okay, well, I, I guess we have to support other plants and I have to understand them. Um, but e even though I had always believed that cannabis and I still do, cannabis is a very important part of my personal spiritual beliefs and what has helped me get through a lot in life. There's a completely different thing between cannabis and what it can open open up to and what the mushrooms can take you to. Mm. And the mushrooms, you know, the, again, it was, it was basically a training program. I had no idea that I was going to start a training program. I, I just knew that before the church could provide mushrooms, I had to understand them. 
So my first experience was two grams, right? Which, you know, two grams is the, the, the fun dose and your hands look funny and things wiggle a little bit. And there's some other stuff that comes up, but in general, that's where people have an enjoyable experience. But knowing that here I am running the church, I had to try the five gram heroic dose. And that was an intense experience, but also where things started getting really weird. Um, I came back from that experience stuck in a loop where I must have repeated to myself a hundred times, you need to learn how to breathe and you need to do more mushrooms. And, you know, again, this was the, I, I didn't really have any context. I did this all by myself without a, a sitter. Um, but the, when I sobered up, I was like, well, what do you know, mushrooms? I'm breathing right now. Come on. I'm doing it all the time, every day. Right. But knowing that the lethal dose was somewhere around five pounds, I wasn't afraid about trying more. So a few weeks later, letting my tolerance clear out, I did 10 grams. And I came out of that experience again with the exact same loop. You need to learn how to breathe and you need to do more mushrooms. Um, this is where I actually Googled how to breathe. So my, my integration for that was, well, let me just, let me see what the internet has to say about breathing. And sure enough, there's a TED talk and multiple doctors talking about how, as a society, we've forgotten how to breathe. And what they're talking about is that we're, we, we've been sitting down at desks and sucking in our bellies. So we've started breathing with the upper halves of our body and not our diaphragm, which is the muscle that we have to breathe with. And the reason this is a big problem is we now have a disease that's happening. I mean, it's not even a disease. It's more of a condition where elderly people are having their diaphragms atrophy because they've stopped using them their entire lives. And now as we get older, we're having breathing problems because we stopped breathing right our entire life. And that's, that to me was where things got really weird because I was one of those people. So how did I know that I didn't know how to breathe? And, you know, that, that was, again, that was the first lesson they needed to teach me. And there was a reason why they needed to teach it to me in that order, in that way. But the fact was that I was physically breathing wrong. You know, th this act that we do nonstop every day that that is what helps keep us alive. You stop breathing, you die. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing wrong. So how did I know that I didn't know how to breathe? Well, from my perspective, there's only two possibilities. And really, to me, they're actually kind of both true. But one is that the mushrooms allowed me to connect with something inside myself that was now able to clearly communicate with me, hey, dude, you're doing this wrong. You need to learn how to do it right. And if that was all that happened, that's pretty amazing. Um, the other possibility, which is, again, what I, I believe, is that there are guides on the other side, and they knew that this was the very first lesson I needed to learn before I moved forward. Hmm. So I learned how to breathe and then I did more mushrooms. <laughs> so is it, is it, is there more, I'm, I'm curious just as a breathwork facilitator myself and, you know, I think this is a good 
obviously, if that's the first lesson that you got, that people that are interested in doing uh, deeper psychedelic work could also benefit from it. So is it just breathing from the diaphragm or is there more to it than that? Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. No, I mean, it's it's really just using your diaphragm to breathe with. You know, the the thing is like anybody that's um, done a lot of martial arts or even yoga or obviously any breath work already understands what their diaphragm is. Right. But the way our culture and society has been training us, it's, oh, your belly's too fat. Oh, sit down at the desk. And what ends up happening is we start breathing with our shoulders. And that's wrong. (laughs) You know, there's... There's no other way of putting it. Yeah, breathing so up, up here in your chest and your shoulders. Yeah. 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 The, the TED Talk is really interesting because the, the woman says, now everybody stand up and take a deep breath. And you see the whole room go, if you're doing that, you're right. breathing wrong. A, a deep breath should look like this. You know, my shoulders aren't moving right. at all. My shoulders diet. don't move. Yeah. Right. Um, so it, it's. It, that, that's a fundamental lesson that everybody that's alive needs to understand, right? It, it's, <laughs> it's not a special technique. It, it's literally when we're born, we ha- know how to do it. And through society and through the improper education that we're really doing in this world, um, we forget and retrain ourselves to breathe with the wrong muscles. Hmm. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. So it sounds like just sort of in general, what you're saying, not, not just about the breathing, but about everything is that, um, that there's a whole spectrum, a whole, I like the word spectrum. Cause what, what I'm thinking of is like how human beings, we take in the entire world by this very narrow band of the visible light spectrum and how other animals um, can see other frequencies that we're not aware of. And that by working with mushrooms, um, especially at much higher doses than kind of the introductory doses, um, we have access to a much wider range of that spectrum of reality. And that there's a whole heck of a lot of stuff out there that we're just not usually privy to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. You know, it's, you know, when when you get into the religious aspect of these tools, um, to me, this is, this is how we first understood there was more to this existence. Um, Our ancient ancestors 2.5 million years ago would have come across these mushrooms and not knowing anything filled their bellies with them only to then see entities standing in front of them with knowledge they want to tell them. Right. So this is, um, as far as religion goes, this is the oldest religion that exists. It's just been long forgotten. Do you think that the mushrooms were put here on earth by like another civilization or another life form? Um, you know, I believe the mushrooms were created along with the Big Bang. Mm. You know, they, they were the seeds of life that God distributed throughout the universe. You know, the, a little beyond Pansporia. 
Um, it, it seems a little too much of a coincidence, you know, and I feel like the, the longer I live in life and especially the more psychedelic experience I get, the less I believe in coincidence that, you know, that these, that this technology, if you want to call it that, that allows us to commune with other life forms, other dimensions, other time and space, and even outside of time and space um, exist and that there are receptors for it in our, in our brains. <laughs> That's yeah. just way too much of a coincidence to me. Well, and you know, when you look at fungus and what we know about how life developed, um, you know, science, there, there's some theory that maybe there was like this magical pool of chemicals where DNA locked together to eventually form life. Even if that's what's happened, the very first forms of life resembled fungus more than anything else. Hmm. And in experiences that I've had, you know, the, the ceremonies that I do, and, and definitely in this high-dose realm, it's, it's beyond... It, it, it's beyond saying the, the stuff I've been shown because you actually experience it. I, I had an experience where I was pulled through every dimension, heaven, hell, everything in between, went through circles of gods who were looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Went all the way up to source, which um, is what I consider to be the true God, which is an existence where nothing else exists. There's, there's literally nothing. There is but one consciousness. Um, the message that I got out of that, because I get a clear message, especially when I started doing the work, I would get a very clear message. Now it's, it's a little more complicated because I'm much deeper into the work. But the message I got out of that was, if you were God, what would you ask yourself? If you were the creator of everything, the knower of everything, what could you possibly ask yourself? The only thing that you might not know is what am I? And this is where I experienced the Big Bang, the creation of space and time, and watched as spores and matter were distributed through the entire universe. We were the answer to God's question. The, the only thing it could do to understand itself, what everything is, was to create everything. So our, you know, everybody's got a different path in life and a different purpose, but overall, we are all here as parts of God experiencing itself to understand what it is. What, um, I've, what kind of, um, what kind of books do you like, or like, are there <laughs> authors, uh, you know, artists who, who inspires you? Um, you know, I, I, I read, a, well, I, I mean, I'm extremely dyslexic. So actually I, I mainly listen to audio books, but, um, you know, some of my favorite, uh, Graham Hancock is a very interesting guy has done a lot of really interesting work. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, that whole, you know, at this point, it's beyond a theory. We know that about 12,000 years ago, a comet impacted the Great American um, Ice Sheet that was covering all of North America and created a giant flood that devastated the world. So the, the story of Noah and 
the stories through all these other traditions that talk about a giant worldwide flood, we know that happened about 12,000 years ago. Well, humans started to become human about 2.5 million years ago. So there's a lot of lost history between 2.5 million years ago and 12,000 years ago. Um, d digging into the, the, the information that he's put out there and other, um, other authors and other researchers who are trying to understand where we came from is, is one of my big things. The, the other, um, you, you know, I, I, again, I'm really kind of all over the place. Uh, there, there's, also, this professor, uh, Donald Hoffman, who's done a lot of really interesting work to show that um, consciousness mathematically is the fundamental source of all reality. Um, and doing so, he can explain things that science can't currently explain, like gravity. <laughs> you know, we, we, we think we're all smart with all, all this technology and science, but we still don't understand how gravity works or how something can be both so weak and so strong at the same time. It's, um, you know, why we trip and fall, but it's also what holds the planets together and the universes together. So this fundamental force, uh, using the math that Professor Donald Hoffman has, has done, he can explain why that works if the foundation for reality is actually consciousness mm. um and, and you know before before the psychedelic work i really didn't uh do a lot of a lot of digging into psychedelic authors but there's um there's a lot that i've been reading post and it's really interesting to see the common experiences that, like dragons you know i i had no idea that dragons were real <laughs> And they just exist in another part part of reality. But as you go through the other experiences, especially the stuff that was done back in the seventies and other people that have done high dose work, there's a lot of common things that are happening. Um, and, and you know, there's there's people who try to explain it as, well, like you were saying, this is trauma from the womb. Um, to me, this is other parts of reality that we don't have access to. Hmm. I love that, you know, like that you said, now you're kind of retconning some of your psychedelic sort of backlog. And it just really speaks to your calling to this work and to your mission. You know, like you, you didn't set out to do this. Like it was the, the mushrooms called you to it and said, this is what you're doing, man. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, even like I was, I was listening to your, your talk at your last event there that you sent me a link to earlier and talking about how you met, um, Kalindi Eiley, you know, it's just, there's again, like there's no coincidences. So, yeah. you know, you were, you, you're here doing what you're supposed to do and that's very commendable. Yeah. I, I mean, that was, that was it, it it's unexplainable other than there are no coincidences and it it had to happen um and that was you know i went through my 510 that was my 15 grams so the next the next dose after i learned how to breathe the message was there's more knowledge to spread and do more mushrooms and 
you know, having already done 10 grams of mushrooms, well, now 15 grams of mushrooms and being told to do more mushrooms when all the research that I'd done before that, everybody was saying, oh, never go over five grams, never do that amount. Um, researching that is what led me to Kalindi and the work that he had been doing for over 40 years in, in these these realms. And the yeah. fact that I was able to go see him at a conference the next weekend and I walk in the door and he's the very first person to to say anything to me and he thinks he recognizes me. I mean, it's, it's you can't make it up. Yeah. No, no reason to. <laughs> um, I'm interested on you, what you think or where you, where you see um, entheogens going. You know, especially as we, you know, as the FDA starts to kind of slow roll towards approval of, you know, using mushrooms in a therapeutic setting. And also we're, you know, seeing a lot of progress with MDMA. Um, Like where, where do you see the, you know, sort of psychedelic and entheogenic movement or what do you see as happening in the next few years, especially in America? Uh, I, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different parts to it. And, you know, microdosing is helping a lot of people. And if you can replace any other drug that you're taking that has worse, worse effects with a microdose, more power to you. Um, the, the thing that the FDA put out, which is also absolutely true is in the, the higher doses, you know, beyond the microdose in the, the gram to three gram range, uh, breaking through depression is, is real. It's has, it, it, it happens. And if you're talking about, okay, well, you just have to take an eighth of mushrooms every month or every other month, compare that to a drug that you take every day that has bad effects on your body and makes you feel numb. Um, there, there's a whole nother level of things there. Um, when you get into the work that I do, it, it's really not things the mainstream has been talking about. And it, it's from my perspective, what religion really truly needs to be. Um, and I do see more of that happening, but it just, it's slow and it takes people who are really committed to doing it to do that sort of work. Um, but overall, the war on drugs is ridiculous. You know, there, there's there's no way around it. And breaking the war on drugs, that, that needs to happen. Um, if that means that pharmaceutical companies are going to start having uh, psilocybin pills that people can take and that will slowly, you know, break through this ridiculous war on our own citizens, um, anything that can happen to make that happen needs to happen. Uh, but I, I do see more more treatment, more therapy, uh, and alternatives to drugs that really have horrible side effects coming in the future. Um, and, and when you get into organized religion and some of the ridiculous things there, 
for people to have, be able to have the experience of God's consciousness and not, not what I tell you, but for you to have your own experience. Um, to me, that that's one of the most important things that can happen in life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and my mission is to make it so that <laughs> we, we rediscover these tools. That, I mean, that right there is what drew me to Buddhism initially was like the Buddha saying, don't just believe what I'm saying because I'm saying it. You've got to go experience it for yourself. You've got to find your own truth. I'm just letting you know what worked for me and saying it'll work for you too if you go and experience it. So it's, it sounds like a very um, aligned message there um, in terms of, of working with uh, entheogens especially mushrooms. Um, I, I, I want to be mindful of the time, but I was also wondering, just because I, I have been following you for a while, I was wondering if you would be comfortable talking a little bit about um, what's been happening like since the raid uh, on your church. And because um, my understanding, especially if you guys are pursuing some sort of, you know, countersuit, um, is that that could be very important to psychedelic freedom um, in this country, especially, you know, under the auspices of, of a church organization. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, for those who don't know, we were raided in August of 2020, um, really at the, the height of the pan pandemic uh, and the height of the fire season out here in California. Um, we were raided by the Oakland PD. So, you know, there's a lot of confusion of what actually happened, but it wasn't the state. It wasn't the county. It wasn't the feds. It was the city of Oakland Police Department. Um, and, you know, we, I, I know we're running short on time, so I, I, could, I could go into way too much detail about that. But the um, short of the story is what they were really trying to do was take our money. And there's a group in the Oakland PD who had been doing that to um, Measure Z clubs, which were the, the cannabis clubs set up under the 2004 um, lowest priority law. And what they expected is they were going to come through and they were going to raid the church and they would take all our money and we would shut down or, and just quietly disappear. Um, what they weren't expecting is that we have been ready to fight since the day we opened up. Um, the, the court case is going to be filed in August of this year. So it's coming up pretty soon. Um, that that's, you know, the, the <laughs> I, I've done a lot of uh, legal battles with cities and governments in the past. And one of the things they like to do is wait till the very last minute to file charges. Um, so of course that's, that's the game plan we're going with. So it, the uh, August will be the two year point from the raid. And that's, that's when we start losing privileges in court. So right before that happens, our lawsuit will be filed. Um, this will be a federal lawsuit against the Oakland Police Department. And when we win this, because there really is absolutely no reason we won't win this, every local police department will have to think twice before they decide to smash and grab a, a church for providing sacrament to its members. 
Thank you for, for, for being out there on the front lines and, and doing the work that you're doing um, because it certainly has reverberations throughout, you know, the rest of the community, throughout the rest of the country. And, you know, I'm sure that that uh, situation has got to be stressful in some way. So I, I appreciate the work that you're doing, Dave. Yeah, I, I mean, th there's a little bit of stress, but it's also, you know, that that's why the mushrooms chose me for this work. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've had a lot of different court cases. I've been fighting in court to protect cannabis for over 10 years now. My, my largest victory was against the uh, country of the Czech Republic for um, medical marijuana, where we actually went all the way to the Supreme Court and won the case. So there's, there's now uh, a new ruling in the Czech Republic that says uh, if somebody has their medical marijuana that they brought with them and it's their medicine, um, you, you can't mess with them. But I've, <laughs> I mean, taking on, taking on the U.S. is, is a little bit bigger, but, um, you know, the, I'm up for the challenge and I'm used to this, these sort of battles. Awesome. Thanks. You, thank you again. Um, so the last thing I wanted to kind of ask you, especially since we've talked so much about the high dosage is like, if somebody is interested um, in doing high dose work outside of what I would suggest, which is probably going to Zydor or Church of Ambrosia and looking up the resources that you guys have there, what kind of protocols and what kind of safety measures should they be following? Because I don't want to give any, any, anybody listening to this podcast you know, the wrong impression. And I just feel that that would be the, the ethical yeah. thing to do is to mention some of the safety and, uh, you know, set and setting and whatnot. Well, you know, it, we probably don't have time to get into all of it, but I, I will say the most important thing is to start small. You know, there's, there's no rush just because you hear that me or somebody else is doing 15 or 20 or 50 grams of mushrooms. That's not where you start. That's not where we started. Um, Kalindi's protocol that he had worked on for a really long time was to slowly go up in two gram increments. So start at the five gram heroic dose that Terrence McKenna used to talk about, and then go up by two grams at a time as you feel comfortable. So that doesn't mean going from uh, five to 30 in two months like I did. That That could be a couple years, depending on the stuff that you have to go through, but slowly work your way up uh, until you understand what you're doing. Um, as far as set and setting, one of the biggest, one of the most important things with this work is making sure that you're in a safe environment with a bed and a bathroom right near each other. Um, you don't take 15 grams out in the middle of the forest. You don't take 15 grams at a uh, a party or at a a music festival, this is something where you need a safe environment so that if you if slash when you leave your body, your body will be in a safe place and where you can get everything that you need very easily. So a bed and a bathroom nearby, and unlike the the lower doses. Um, you need to try to get rid of any distractions. So music can be a real distraction. 
Uh, lights can be a real distraction. Art can be a real distraction. A lot of things that people like to look at at the, the lower doses. Uh, these are all different forms of technology. And until you understand the technology that you're working with, um, you don't want to add anything to it. So I, I actually just yesterday spoke to somebody who did a, a seven gram journey and or may, maybe eight gram journey and had a really difficult time. And he had music playing the whole time and he had things he was planning on looking at. And the, the problem with music and things like that is they hold you into this reality and force you to experience this reality when what you're trying to experience is what's beyond this reality. So in his case, he said, like, he, he was originally thinking, okay, well, when the playlist is done, I'll be back to normal and I'll just listen to the playlist. What he didn't understand is that he was now going to experience every microsecond of that music as if it were a hundred years. So sure, the playlist is only three hours long, but by the end of the playlist, he felt like he was there for 300,000 years. All right. Um, so it, it, it's really important that you have a environment. Uh, silent darkness is a great place to start. Um, that's what Terrence McKenna used to talk about with the five gram heroic dose. That's definitely true on the higher doses. And until you understand what these what these doses actually do to you and what, what you're going to experience, um, the less distraction, the better. You, you need to focus and, and experience what you're going to experience. Awesome. Thank you for that. Well, Dave, this has been an awesome conversation. I, I want to respect your time as well. And um, thank you so much for, for being a guest on the podcast and uh, sharing all your knowledge and wisdom and experience. Um, where should people go to find out more about you and your, your projects outside of Instagram? Um, I, Instagram is really the main platform I'm using right now. Before the raid, we weren't on the internet at all. You know, this, the, we were pure word of mouth. Um, since the raid, eh, we, we've started to build a little bit of an internet presence, but it's still... You know, we, we have 50,000 members and we're not really trying to push it any further than that, but people keep coming. So, <laughs> um, zidedoor.com and that's Z I D E door.com is the physical location here in Oakland. Uh, ambrosia.church is the church of Ambrosia. And then me, um, at Dave Hemp on Instagram. Um, if anybody is doing any high doses and needs anybody to talk to, I, I am always here to talk to people who are doing this work to help them through it. Um, uh, unfortunately, there's we're, we're still in the middle of building up more of these resources, and that that's part of what the God Sitters Project is is really all about. Is we we're hosting these ceremonies to learn everything we can about how to do them right. And eventually that will turn into putting all that information out there for people to be able to access themselves. Awesome. We'll definitely add uh, those links to the, the show page because this is going to be posted on Instagram 
um, but the audio will be up shortly on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts as well. So um, if you are listening to the podcast on one of those platforms, would love it if you could give us a review, follow the podcast at The Vital Point. Um, that really helps push us up in the algorithm. And for everybody that joined us live on Instagram, I really appreciate you guys. Um, thanks for your support. And uh, most of all, thanks to Dave Hodges for being my guest today. Really appreciate it. And uh, found it a fascinating uh, interview, for sure. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, until next time, my friends, um, keep practicing. That's my vital point. Um, these, these practices, whether it's you know psychedelics, breath work, meditation, whatever we're talking about, um, they don't mean anything if we're just t talking about them and thinking about them. You actually have to go and experience and practice. So let this be your call to action to actually go and uh, do some practice. And until next time, I'm Jonathan Schechter. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for checking out another episode of the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you feel inspired to go and do some practice of your own. Remember that integration and practice is the vital point. Maybe this episode inspired you to add something new to your daily or regular practice like meditation or breath work, or you're ready to take that ice bath that you've been dreading, but you know is going to be really good for you. Maybe you're curious to something that you've been called to try, you know, like working with a new teacher or facilitator or working with a psychedelic or plant medicine in whatever way is safe and legal for you where you live. Please reach out to me or to the guest through the links on the show page to learn more about what we talked about on this episode. Subscribe to the podcast and please leave us a review, which really helps the show makes it visible to more people. And if you're finding the show valuable, please share it with a friend that would also be interested and uh, share it on your social media. Follow me at Blue Magic Alchemy on Instagram. That's all one word. And if you're interested in learning more about breathwork or you'd like support with self-development and transformational practice, reach out to me at bluemagicalchemy at gmail.com or Instagram to set up a discovery call for individual coaching sessions and my six-month transformational coaching container. Until next time, be well, keep practicing, because that's the vital point. Be well, my friends.